Johnny Five, aged 43. Self-employed person, divorced, five foot 11, parent, bachelor's degree, practicing, always prays. Seeking marriage within one to two years. Won't move abroad. Only eats halal, doesn't drink alcohol, doesn't smoke. So you like my profile pic? You clearly have good taste. A few things you should know about me before you get to know me. I have been divorced nine years and have two teenage children. I publish a podcast called Divorced Muslim Dad. If you want a raw, honest account of faith, relationships and parenthood, then give it a go. London runs through my veins and the north through my soul. I share the responsibility for bringing up my kids with their mother. One of them is even homeschooled. I run a niche filmmaking stroke storytelling consultancy. I cycle long distances, train three to four times a week and love the sauna. I like to live simply. The idea of living on a canal boat greatly appeals. I eat clean, halal and tayyib. My emoji game is on point. It's quite simple really. If you can make great conversation, appreciate good food, live meaningfully, offer kind gestures, accept intimacy, whilst loving and laughing, then we're off to a good start. My life is full of blessings, alhamdulillah, and I'd love to find the kind of relationship that flows over bumps, enhances our perspective, and enriches our souls. Who wouldn't say yes to that? Singledom is okay, but I'm not content with okay. I'd prefer great. Not perfect, but great. Message me and let's carry on the conversation. Episode 12 A Guide to Online Dating. Back in 2011, I was single again. I'd just come out of a 10-year marriage and I was faced with the new world of dating. I'd never really been successful at dating in the past and so now faced with the opportunity to find somebody else, I was confused. I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't really understand the opposite sex at all. Many men would say that they don't understand women, but I'm sure women would say the same, same about men. But me particularly, I hadn't really had a lot of experience dating. So, so I was faced with this, this new world that I didn't really know what to do with. I was clear that I didn't want to approach things the way I did the first time. That was simply a box-ticking exercise that certain things had to be in place, the person needed to be pious, they needed to be attractive, um, and I, I needed the means to marry, uh, and that was enough. The major component that was missing from all of this was the heart, the emotional side. That was completely off the table. It wasn't even a consideration. If you'd asked me back then about issues related to emotion, I would have just looked at you with a blank stare. But 10 years on, 
I'd become a different person. I mean, over the course of time, we all become different people, don't we? I know some of us like to believe we don't change, but we do. Of course we do. That's what life does to us. And I think if you don't change over the course of time, that's a little bit of a worry. So I'm now faced with this new opportunity to date. And whilst it may seem exciting to some, to me, it was fraught with uncertainty. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know where to find it. I didn't know how to get it. So I began. I just began dating because I thought I'd be able to work things out as I went along. And in some ways, that helped. In other ways, it caused me problems. And if you specifically talk about Muslim dating, Muslim dating differs from regular dating in that you're not looking for anything other than marriage. Well, I know some people look for other things, but ultimately, from Muslim perspective, you are dating people, you are meeting people with a view to ultimately marrying them. And I needed a level of certainty to marry somebody, but I didn't know what I was looking for. So therefore, I met lots of people to find out exactly what it is I was looking for. Does that make, make any sense at all? It's kind of trial and error. You have to put yourself in the mindset of somebody who has gone through a 10-year marriage and come out the other side and clearly doesn't want to repeat the mistakes of the past. So therefore, I'm going to have to meet as many people as I can from a variety of backgrounds. And because I classify myself as... It's a bit of an oxymoron, but basically a liberal orthodox. <laughs> it's a, I know a lot of people you probably relate to that. That, that way of uh, identifying yourself but you know I'm I'm open you know I'm open to uh, to suggestions and opportunities that fall within uh, the values and the ethics that I hold and those values and ethics are born out of orthodox Islam but the way I interpret them now is quite liberal so what does that actually mean in reality? Like, for example, I was open to meeting people who are not of my faith. Now, many people would say, yeah, big deal. How is that liberal? But actually, for somebody like me, that was a complete sea change. Because it's quite simple. My faith determines that actually it's, it's fine for me to form a relationship and to marry somebody who isn't of my faith. Somebody who is a believer... I mean, I couldn't get together with an atheist. I mean, I don't think we'd have that much in common, to be honest. But somebody who believes in God. So, for example, a Christian or a Jew, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. And so I was open to it. I was aware also that because I didn't intend to have further children, that it made it more likely, in my mind anyway, that getting together with somebody who was of a different faith wasn't going to cause problems. I did think that if, and I do think, rightly or wrongly, that if you get together with somebody and you are of a different faith and faith is important to you, then when you do have children, you're going to run into problems because there's going to be a little bit of a tug of war about how you bring up your children. And if there's anything that is going to fracture a relationship, it's it's uh, disagreements over children, yes, and of money, but... You know, kids are a major part of it. Kids are your legacy, right? And if you take parenting seriously, then you want to bring them up in a particular way. And for somebody from a faith background, it means teaching them your faith. And if you've got two parents coming from a different perspective on this, that's potentially a problem. But anyway, as I wasn't looking to have children, I was open to that suggestion. And that was quite liberating, that was quite liberating. It was liberating because I was also aware that the pool of available people within the Muslim community was relatively small compared to those who were not Muslim. Why? Because I live in the UK. The UK Muslim population is about 3% at best. And therefore finding people was going to be tough. 
especially as I didn't want to go down the route of any kind of social network, not digital social network. I mean like an auntie network or a community network. I didn't want to do that. I've never been inclined to doing that. You know, I wanted to be a more it, to be a more natural process. And so I began meeting people. And it was an eye-opener. I met people from all over the world. I mean, I don't mean I travelled all over the world. I just people from, people from all over the world who happened to be in the UK. I met people who were significantly older than me and significantly younger than me as well. I met people who were professionals. I met people who were artists. Basically, the whole kind of gamut of of what's out there I wanted to experience. Now when I say I wanted to experience, for me it was simply meeting and having coffee and conversation, right? So if you've got any ideas in your head about playing the field, quote unquote, yeah, you could categorize it as that, except the playing the field for me was having coffee and conversation. And in the earlier years, this was a novelty. I hadn't done this before. And so what I was able to do was to pick up the skills of communication that you need in order to get a date and then to sustain a date as well. There's an idea that a lot of people have when they meet me that uh, because I have you know, the ability to speak and to articulate myself that I come across as, you know, a super confident guy and therefore, you know, especially some of my dates, when I I would share with them, overshare with them the fact that actually I didn't have a lot of experience dating. By the way, that's a mistake. You don't want to do that. But I just wanted to be open and honest with people and it would come out. But they wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't believe me. They would say, no way. There's no way that you have only been with one person your entire life. But it's true. It was true. Anyway, so over the course of those early years, I'm meeting all of these people. But it's getting to a stage where I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting a first date and on a rare occasion, a second date, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And I didn't understand why until I confided in a friend of mine. And she said to me, what are you telling these women? And I was saying, well, nothing really. I'm meeting them and we're having coffee and we're getting on really well. And then it leads to a second date and we do that again. And then it ends. And she goes, well, that's your problem. They have no idea whether or not you're interested. And I'm, I, it didn't, the penny didn't quite drop. I said, what do you mean I'm not interested? Clearly I'm interested. I'm, I'm on a second date. And she said, yes, you're on a second date, but how are you progressing things? If your second date is just like your first date, then are you now simply there for friendship? And that's when the penny dropped. I had become inadvertently an expert friend zoner. So the dates would go well, but then... The other person would reach the conclusion that I wasn't romantically interested in them because I wasn't making any of those suggestions or moving in that direction. And so we'd simply end up in the friend zone. People don't want friends when they're looking for romance and then things would die. And so then I had to change things up a bit. I had to be very clear in my communication. I had to be more complimentary and less uh, less safe, less safe in the things that I was saying and how I was behaving. And so anyway, I was learning about how to meet people and how to communicate in a way which indicated interest, that I was interested in them and that I was interesting as well and trying to strike strike that balance. Ultimately, even though I was willing to consider a relationship with somebody outside of my faith, I did reach a conclusion that it probably wasn't for the best. Now, I feel a little bit sad having to admit that because my worldview is that we are this huge melting pot and we have more in common than divides us. 
These days I'm less defined by my faith. Now again, don't, don't get that twisted. That doesn't mean I've diluted my faith. It means that, yes, it's, my, it's my, one of my core, uh, core pillars, if you like, of identity. But there are others as well. And therefore I'd like to believe that I'd be able to get together with somebody who isn't of my faith and form a long-term relationship. And I actually still do believe that's the case. The problem is finding that person in a way that I'm comfortable with. I found when dating people that the rules of dating are different for different people. So there's this idea in mainstream society about what dating actually is. And dating is about meeting people, being physical with people, and then making a commitment. And I wasn't comfortable with that order. I don't need to be overtly physical with somebody in order to commit to them. But that's, that's not the way dating works in mainstream society. And so that was just too much time and energy wasted. And so I concluded that I needed to focus my efforts on finding somebody who was Muslim. So I had two options, one which was the offline world and one which was the online world of dating. Now, when it comes to offline dating, it's pretty much what you'd expect. There are networks that you can tap into, the auntie network, the community network, uh, the marriage events network, which I hear is booming. Uh, you can join a club where you're likely to find people uh, that are of uh, on the same page as you, whether it be evening classes or maybe even a local political party or you're on the kind of the mosque committee um, or some kind of community hub. You know, we're actually where people meet and you get to know people. I don't mean you necessarily meet people that you are going to marry, but you meet people in the community who are influential or at least are known and therefore if they get to know you and they know that you're available for marriage then they may make suggestions that's how that whole thing works that's how that whole thing has always worked but it has never been for me it has never been for me that may be to my detriment I do have this notion of wanting to find somebody in a more natural way but having thought about it how realistic is that? I mean, how realistic is it for any of us to bump into somebody at Tesco's or in the library or just going about our regular lives? It's not really going to happen, is it? I know we see it in popular culture where two people are maybe on the tube and they make eye contact and they smile at one another and they get into a conversation etc, etc, etc. It's a very romantic notion, but it's completely unrealistic. Completely. It doesn't happen. I mean, for one thing, if you make eye contact with somebody on the tube, it's more likely to end up in a fight than it is in a romantic relationship. There is something to be said for being known within a community and therefore people making suggestions as to other people who may be suitable for you. That actually makes a lot of sense. If you have faith in your community, if you are aligned with your community, you will most likely get suggestions which will fit. It's the same thing with arranged marriages. There's a reason why arranged marriages can work. It's because the people who have arranged it, not forced it, but arranged it, have a good understanding of the two people involved before they meet. Typically, there are families who have known each other maybe over a couple of generations. And because they've seen those children grow up, they then are able to make a judgment on how suitable they are for one another and introduce them to each other. I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And if, if anything, when it works, it works really well. 
But it's not the culture I've come from. My father and mother found each other. They didn't have any third party introducing each other. So that's the background I come from. And actually, it's in line with the way mainstream society is. But I do think we have huge problems with that because it's too random. It's too random, especially for people who are quite specific. And I would suggest that Muslims are quite specific about what they look for. Not just they're looking for a Muslim, they're looking for a particular type of Muslim that is compatible with them, that they follow a similar flavour of faith. And so the pool of available people becomes less and less and less. Finding those people becomes really, really tough. And that brings us to online dating. I started online dating in 2011. It's now December 2019. The decade is about to end. And I'm still single. So what's gone wrong? Well, it's not necessarily what's gone wrong. But let's have a look at actually what's happened over that last nine years. I began without a clue. Online dating was not what it is today. It was mostly done through a desktop computer or a laptop. There was no such thing as swiping. Mobile dating, i.e. apps, didn't exist. And so it was a case of logging in to a website and messaging. In a similar way you do with apps, but it was more clunky because it was done through desktop. Plus, not as many people were on there at the time. And Muslims generally found the idea of online dating difficult to accept. Because we're a relatively conservative community, why would you put yourself out there in public? Why would you do that? It's not something that you would, it would be, it's unbecoming, especially of Muslim women, to put yourself out there like that. That was the notion, and it still is for many people, although those barriers have come down as the culture has changed. Let's begin with a question. Do you really want to date online? Do you really want to do it? Hold on to that question because I'm going to ask you again after I've explained what I think online dating is. The first thing that you need to do is to consider the service that you're using. Now, within the Muslim community, there are quite a few of these available, but one or two are more popular than others. If you have dipped your toe in the water, then you'll know that Muzmatch and singlemuslim.com tend to be the two that are the most, most popular. I don't like either. I mean, when I say I don't like either, I don't think there's an online dating service which is sophisticated enough to solve the problems of dating per se. But these two services tend to be the most popular and I still find them very clunky and there's a huge room for improvement. But if you are to go online, if you are to register, that's the kind of service you're going to sign up for. And I'm not recommending which one you do. Uh, if you are an Arab Muslim, for example, there are sites dedicated to that. If you are of a Southeast Asian background, there are sites which are predominantly um, stocked, to use, uh, to want, you know, for want of a better phrase, um, with people from that background. But all of them have a certain best practice that you can follow. And the first thing, the first thing that you need to commit to is putting a set of pictures online which tells people a little bit about who you are, which gives people a flavour of your personality, not just the way you look. Think about that. I think the vast majority of profiles that I have seen concentrate on a selfie picture. There might be one, there might be two. There's not a great deal of variety. You don't find shots of people with other people in natural environments. I guess what I'm saying is that you need to put pictures online which tell people a story about you, an accurate story about you. So guys, you know, less shots of you with your tops off in the gym. That's not great. And ladies... If you could just do away with the Snapchat and Instagram filters, that would be great as well. I mean, it's, I know it's funny, and maybe one of your shots can be like that, 
But ultimately, I need to be able to look at your pictures, maybe four or five of them, and be able to get an idea as to who you are. And listen, it's okay to smile. Actually, I'd say it's a really good idea to smile because smiling's friendly. Those shots, those kind of mean and moody shots that you're putting up there, I don't particularly get anything from those. I'd much rather see a friendly face. And I think other people would as well. So rule number one, put a series of pictures together which tell a story about who you are. And the final thing I'll say about images is this. There is no point online dating if you're not willing to show who you are. The second part of this is to write something about yourself. That might seem obvious, but the number of times I've read, I don't know what to write here, so I'm going to complete this later. That's actually what is written. Or even worse, don't really know what to say about myself or don't like talking about myself. So I guess you're going to have to get in touch to find out more. Which is worse because there's just a complete sense of entitlement with that. You're going to have to put in the effort to write about yourself. In the same way that you made the effort to put your images together, you're going to have to make the effort to accurately write about yourself and write about yourself in a way which sounds like you. Don't try and sound like somebody else. Don't try and look like somebody else in your images. You need to represent yourself in the best way possible. Think about it in terms of, I don't know, a job interview. If you go to a job interview, you're going to present yourself in the best way possible. You're going to dress for the occasion and you're going to prepare a CV and a cover letter and you're going to talk about yourself in a particular way and if you're going to get the right job, then it needs to fit in with who you are, the kind of person that you are. Now, I hate to draw that comparison between that and dating, but it is very similar. If you want to find somebody who is suitable for you, not just anybody, then they need to know exactly what you're like. You know, what kind of person you are. When I, when I say exactly, I mean they need a good flavour of that. And that comes initially from your images. And if somebody gets past your images and they're serious, they will read about you. You're going to have to write about who you are, what you're looking for, and crucially what you're not looking for as well. And you're going to have to write it in such a way which is engaging. Online dating is a skill in visual and textual communication. And over the course of time, you get better at it. I was horrific at this when I began. And I'm not saying I'm an expert in it now, but I definitely know a lot more now than I did. And what I'm telling you will save you time and money and hurt and not drain you emotionally and and actually protect your mental health. Because as we know, so much of the digital world is not particularly healthy for us mentally. Okay, so back to the process. So you've got your images sorted. You've now written about yourself in a way which is engaging and clear as well. Uh, now you've got to put yourself out there. That's just the tip of the iceberg. All you've done is create a representation of yourself. Now, if you think these services are going to magically put you in front of the right person, that isn't going to happen, especially if you're using the free service. The free services are there in order to attract you onto the platforms. And yes, you will find some traction. Certain services make it free for you to use and communicate with people. But ultimately, they are commercial ventures. And so there are restrictions. And those restrictions are lifted when you pay a monthly subscription, which can range from anything uh, from £10 a month all the way through to £30 a month. Whether or not you should pay to use the services, I can't say one way or the other. You might live in a part of the world where there is a considerable choice and therefore you don't need to pay these services to, to find suitable online dates. If, like me, you live in a rural part of the UK where the pool of available people is smaller, then you might want to consider paying these services uh, to, to help you find somebody. Anyway, paying aside, once you've created this online profile, you need to become proactive 
in contacting or liking or indicating your interest in other people. That means searching and communicating with others in a way which makes it more likely that they will get back in touch with you. So typically the way these services work is if I like your profile or if I indicate interest or I message you, then you will get a notification that that has taken place and then you will look at my profile and decide whether or not to take it any further. If two people match, then they are free to communicate on the platforms themselves. Now, it might be the case that you go to all of this effort of creating this profile and then putting yourself out there and people don't get back in touch with you. That's actually very common. Actually, that's the experience of most people online. And it's deeply frustrating if you are not mentally prepared for the slog. Because online dating is a slog. And it's running up 99 dead ends in order to find the one which isn't. So you are going to need thick skin. You're going to have to be robust, emotionally robust as well. And if there's anything that's either going to make you a relationship sceptic um, or emotionally robust, it is online online dating. Because ultimately, you're going to get knockback after knockback after knockback after knockback. And if you take those personally, then not only is it going to, to damage your, your mental health, it's also going to make you quite sceptical about the whole relationship thing and actually make it more likely that you don't find one which is obviously not the reason you're on these apps you're on these apps to make it more likely not less likely so you're putting yourself out there and you're connecting with people okay now comes the next stage of actually building an online relationship with somebody again what do i mean by an online relationship it's very unlikely that somebody reads your profile and says you know what let's meet because there's too many weirdos out there there's too much uh, catfishing going on there's too many horror stories about you know people meeting online and not being cautious enough and whilst that is a small number of people who experience this the stories that go around mean that you should be cautious about meeting somebody who is effectively a stranger so you're going to have to build an online relationship in order to determine whether or not somebody's serious, whether or not they're suitable, whether or not they're trustworthy enough to actually meet in the real world. And to do that requires a certain skill set. And that is the ability to connect with people through the written word. Because you're not going to be sending a video, are you? Well, I hope you're not. Or you're not going to be sending an audio message. It's about what you write and how you write. Now, if somebody gets in touch with me and says, hi, how are you? Or liked your profile, get in touch. I'm not inspired by that because it's generic. It doesn't tell me that that person has taken the effort to read what I have had to say and then reflect back elements of it to show me that they're interested enough in me and that they may be suitable. Does that make any sense? I hope it does. You've got to treat people as people. Although dating is a numbers game, the more people you meet, the more likely it is that you're going to find somebody. Just because it's a numbers game doesn't mean you treat people like numbers. And so when you're communicating with people, you have to treat them like an individual. You have to see them. You have to see them. If your gaming tactic is to cut and paste a generic message and send it to as many people as possible, hoping that something sticks, then you need to stop that behaviour because not only won't it work, you're actually devaluing the whole online experience for other people as well. You need to be willing to make the effort to send specific individual messages to people that reflect information that they have put in their profile so for example hey loved your pictures especially the one of you 
reading that book. I read that book a couple of months ago. I particularly I particularly like the bit where or what did you think of I don't know. That kind of personalization. Therefore when I read that I think oh okay this person sees me they're actually interested in me. They've taken the time out to write this specific message to me. Now I may go on that person's profile and think okay this person I'm not interested which is fine. Now, if somebody does get in touch with me, I make it a habit to respond and respond in a way which is hopefully kind and considerate. Because if somebody has taken the time to invest in me, even though they may not be suitable for a romantic relationship, I will then get back in touch with them and do my best to let them down gently. But the most common way of dealing with people online is to completely ignore them, which I don't think is great. But at the same time, that's what we're signing up for. We don't have any rights over other people online. And that's a really important point to remember. A lot of people have a sense of entitlement. Unfortunately, I think it tends to sway towards the guys on this, whereby they're getting in touch with people and those people aren't responding to them. And so it makes them angry and it gets them frustrated. And so they start to become aggressive and abusive online. And that's not on. That's not on at all. Why do you think you have any rights over anybody else just because you have got in touch with them? Why? Because somebody's online and you've messaged them and therefore they have to get back in touch with you? I'd agree, maybe it's a common courtesy if you have shown courtesy. But at the same time, if they simply choose not to get back in touch with you, well, you're going to have to grow up a bit and accept that. That's just the way online dating works. And if you're too fragile to deal with that kind of communication, you need to reconsider whether or not you should be on these platforms. That's what I mean. You're going to need thick skin, emotional maturity. You need to be emotionally robust as well. And you have to have the attitude of getting up again and getting up again every time you're knocked over. Look, I get it. Online dating is tough. It's difficult. The likelihood of finding people on there is slim which is why I asked the question at the beginning whether or not you actually want to date online but again we'll come back to that and try and answer it at the end of this because we ha we're not finished yet so you built your profile you put yourself out there you're communicating with people you're personalizing messages you're showing your personality through all of this now the question arises as to when you should suggest meeting. The assumption being that you're getting on. Well, nobody wants a pen pal. And that can happen. Because when you are messaging online, you are in a highly controlled environment. And people like control. It's also a great place to hide as well. I'm not saying people are insincere, but there are many people who are online who are not ready to date. They are not ready to meet people, but they like the idea of it. They maybe feel the social pressure of having to do so. And so they're online. And so, and when they're talking to people, it feels good. But they don't really want to meet anybody. Now, if that's you, if, if that sounds like you, then I would kindly suggest that you take yourself offline. Because it cheapens and dilutes the process for everybody because there's nothing really worse well there are things that are worse but it's pretty bad when you find somebody that you really like and you're communicating and building an emotional bond because that's what happens even though rationally you're still dealing with a stranger but when you're communicating online uh, you're building an emotional bond you know as you're getting on you start to project your thoughts what might happen, what could happen, thinking about the potential, you become more optimistic. And then it doesn't go anywhere. If you are messaging endlessly for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's not really going anywhere, you're really, you're really doing this wrong and potentially making it more difficult for everybody else in the process because everyone then becomes more sceptical about this. That person who wanted to meet you but was unable to 
feels a little bit cheated. Now, I'm not saying they have a right to feel cheated because it's not that it's not that you signed a contract or anything. But by being online, you have to be willing to ultimately meet people. That sounds really kind of obvious, but it needs to be stated because some of you don't want to meet people. At some stage, you're going to have to make the suggestion in order to avoid this fate of finding a pen pal. You're going to have to make the suggestion to meet. When you make that suggestion is ultimately up to you. You're going to have to judge. The whole online dating side of thing is a skill. It's a skill you're going to have to pick up. It's a skill in human psychology. And you can get better at it. And you will get better at it the more you use these services. The more you use these services, the more sceptical you could also get. But as I say, if you go into it with the right mindset, with the right expectations, you'll get better at communicating with people through these apps. You're better able to represent who you are. You're better able to understand other people and at least create an environment. I would call it a bubble. It's kind of a, a beautiful deception. I don't mean deception in that you're lying, but it's this... Uh, it's this bubble within which you can banter, that you can joke around with, be serious with, be deep with, with the understanding that it's a bubble, that it may burst at any time. And that's the other thing you need to consider about online dating, which is that, yes, somebody can end something at any time in an unexpected way, which is really difficult to deal with sometimes because when it's unexpected and you're getting on with somebody and you have these ideas in your head as to what things could be and then all of a sudden you're ghosted which is the term when somebody just disappears you are ghosted that can be really really tough and it's happened to me it's happened to me in the past and it's when somebody simply decides they're just going to move on and not explain why they're moving on and so initially I would get back in touch with that person and say, well, what happened? You know, we were getting on so well and now things have ended. And I was, I was never somebody who was aggressive about this, but I did want to know. But again, over the course of time, I have accepted that that is acceptable online behaviour. Not acceptable in terms of it's friendly or that that's the way people should behave. That's simply the way some people do behave. And actually, I take it as an indicator of what kind of person they are. And therefore, if anybody ghosts me, it means that they were never suitable in the first place. I just wish that perhaps they had considered this before engaging in so much in the way of conversation. So you're trying to work out now when's the right time to ask somebody to meet. I would suggest that a couple of weeks of communication, of good quality communication, is enough and probably too much. If your profiles are aligned, if you are getting on, then maybe within a few days you might want to suggest it. There is no real rule here. I guess I'm giving you rules, but there is no rule. It's for you to judge. Now, you may get this wrong. You may say, hey, I've heard everything I need to hear about you. I would just love to meet and have coffee and take this to the next stage. The other person may turn around and say, hang on, let's, you know, let's walk before we run. Or simply, no, I'm not comfortable with that. That's a risk you take. And if you make that suggestion and somebody says no, then that's a little bit awkward. You've kind of burst the bubble. You know, the beautiful deception of online dating. You've kind of burst it now. Because as soon as somebody says no online, it's basically saying that we're not on the same page. And because this whole process is very fragile, that probably means that it's not going to end up anywhere. But be brave, ask the question at the right time, knowing that after all of that effort that you may get a rejection and then you're going to have to dust yourself off and go again. Best case scenario, you ask the question and you're ready to meet. Now that 
is where you need to be. That is the objective of online dating. If I was to summarize it, online dating is about finding people and getting to meet them in as little time as possible. Finding suitable people and meeting them in as little time as possible. Not rush it, but get off those apps and meet in the real world. So that brings us neatly to the first date. If you've got to the point where you're actually meeting people in real life, then congratulations, you have successfully navigated online dating. But it's worth talking about the first date because you've gone to so much effort to get to this particular point. It's important to make the most of it and not take it for granted. Now, I find first dates actually quite exciting. I see them as an opportunity, definitely not a threat. And I guess that's partly to do with the fact that I like meeting people anyway. So I know that the very worst that's going to happen is that I'm going to meet somebody who is interesting. There may may not end up a potential partner. I may conclude very quickly, actually, that this isn't going anywhere romantically. But that doesn't stop me investing in that person, in spending time with them, in being considerate towards them, being interested in them. Because I am naturally interested in people and that serves me well when it comes to dating. There's never been a time when I've gone on a date and I've thought I'm not attracted to this person or I'm not interested in this person and then I've looked to bail. You know, I've, I've never downloaded those apps that, um, you know, you've heard about these apps that you can set to ring you as if somebody's calling you in order to get yourself out of a date. Uh, I know they exist, but, you know, I've never, I've never needed those because I'm quite happy to spend an hour or two with somebody and just shoot the breeze because I might learn something, and I normally do. And so it's all, it's all good. It's all good. It's either great or it's good. And because of that, dating is actually quite pleasurable in real life. So how should you go about your first date? Well, guys, let me talk to you first. Please consider grooming yourselves. Now, I know that's less of an issue these days because there are plenty of metrosexual guys out there who, you know, who pluck and trim and whatever else and dress well. But for those guys who are not used to doing that, uh, please consider doing that because one thing's for sure, she is going to make an effort and you don't want to turn up looking like a bit of a hobo and a bit of a tramp when the person you're meeting has dressed to the nines. And actually how you dress on the date is, well, again, it's up to you, but ultimately it needs to reflect the kind of relationship you've built online. You'll get a good idea by looking at their images, you know, what kind of dress sense they have. Uh, they'll get a good idea from you as well. It's also an indicator of what kind of date it is and how you should dress from the place that you meet. Now, the way I approach this whole thing is I like to take a lead when it comes to organising the first date. And that is normally appreciated by, by the people that I'm meeting with. It might be stereotypical that women like a decisive guy, but that's generally what I do. I like to be decisive. I'd like to lead. Uh, I also like to consult whilst I do that. So I will say, I will ask things like, you know, so, you know, do you drink coffee? Um, you know, I think we should go out for, for a meal. Uh, is there anything you don't eat? That kind of thing. Or what kind of food do you like? It's nice to have a little bit of intrigue. So what I tend to do is get an idea of whether or not there is a particular food somebody likes or a particular activity somebody likes, or better still, that I'm able to pick up what that person would like to do from the communication that we've had previously. And if the quality of that communication is good, then there will, there will be indicators in there to say that maybe they're into independent cinema, maybe there's a particular town that they like, maybe they really love Victoria sponge cake, right? And so I'll then go about trying to find those things and to build a date around it. So go for it. Arrange something which is a bit special. 
Don't make it generic. Again, gen generic is your enemy. If your suggestion for where to meet for a date is a nationwide coffee chain, such as Costa or Nero or Starbucks, that indicates to the other person how little thought that you've given to this or how cheap you see the date as. And therefore, when you meet in such an environment, the tone is already set. But if again, you have made a suggestion and made arrangements, which is specific to that person, you start things off in a very, very different place. That person, again, has it reinforced that you're taking them seriously. You're interested in who they are. You want to create a pleasant environment. You want them to have a good time. And, and that's really important. So you're in an environment which is conducive to having a natural conversation. You can see each other in your best light. And the objective of the first date is to work out whether or not there is any potential in this going anywhere. I suggest you do not organize a first date which is longer than an hour. Because, I mean, I, I can deal with more than an hour if I'm not interested in somebody, but many people can't. They're there to find a partner, and if within 10 minutes it's a case of this is definitely not going to work, then you're able to sit out 45 minutes to an hour and make pleasantries, and then you can go your own ways. So set yourself a time frame which you can bear with somebody who you potentially are not going to form a relationship with. In that hour, you'll also be able to determine whether you want a second date. Within actually a very short space of time, you're able to work out whether you're attracted to somebody. And within that hour, you'll be able to find out about their personality. But you, know, you can learn from their body language. You can work out how interested in, in you they really are, the kind of questions that they ask, some of the attitudes that they hold. And the sad reality, by the way, is... You can learn more from that first date than you can from weeks and weeks of online communication. That's always the case. That's why I say you need to get off these apps as soon as possible. Because you will learn more from meeting people about them and they will learn more about you than you will do through messaging each other about your interests and your values and your outlook. Conversations in real life supersede online texting. I would also suggest that you go into this with an open mind. If you have an open mind, then you'll be more forgiving towards those things that you don't like in the other person. If you're looking for commonality, if your focus is on those things where you do overlap, where you are compatible, then it's more, then it's more likely that you're going to want to have a second date. And the reason the second date is important is that a first date can be a little bit awkward. Some people are not used to it, especially in the Muslim community. Dating is kind of, it's not something which is very, very common. And a lot of the people who are going on these dates haven't grown up interacting a great deal with the opposite sex in a natural environment. But they've reached a stage where they're having to do that because they want to find a partner. So that first date can potentially be a bit awkward for both people or one of those people. And you can interpret that as a negative experience. But unless there is a red flag or there is a line, a red line that has been crossed in, the, in that first meeting, in that, on that first date, then be open to the suggestion of a second. If they've said something like, well, I'm looking to have children and I don't intend to have further children. Well, that's a red line that's been crossed. And so there's little reason to have a second date. But if somebody has worn something and I'm not particularly into it and they say something or have a political view that I don't agree with, does that mean I just need to throw out the baby with the bathwater, that they might be 90% compatible, but there's that 10% that isn't. If I'm being open-minded and fair about it, I need to focus on the 90%. Because that 10% may simply dissolve into insignificance 
as you get to know somebody. If you meet somebody and you're not immediately attracted to them, although you like them, they're okay, they're a six out of ten, if you want to put it that way, well, again, be open. Be open to that second date because ultimately, yes, we need to be attracted to people we get together with, but it's not the be-all and the end-all. Remember, we will all get old one day. We will all lose our looks one day. And it is not, if it was that important, then people would separate on the basis of that. But they don't because those who have successful relationships, they rely on something else. They re rely on their souls being intertwined and connected. And they know that when their looks disappear, their souls remain connected. And that's the important part of it. I think there's an Arabic expression for this process. Uh, it's called ajuz. I think two people become ajuz. You know, they've, you know they've, they've moved on, they've been together a long time, and they have a very, very strong bond, even though they're very elderly. I think that's quite a beautiful expression, actually. So there you have it. There you have what you might term my guide to online dating or my guide to dating. It's come off the back of many, many years of trial and error. And yes, I am still single. And if you want to know the reason why, it's simply because of circumstance. It's a particular stage in life where I'm very, very busy with work and children. I prioritize my kids and their upbringing. That hasn't stopped me meeting people because maybe I would meet somebody who is in a similar circumstance. But it has become clear to me that in my situation, meeting somebody who meets what it is I'm looking for is actually going to be quite difficult to achieve, especially where I live and uh, how much time I have available and how my life is structured. But that simply is circumstantial. But I'm simply, I simply now have to be patient. And so I've kind of sidelined the whole online um, online dating side of things and may come back to it in the future. I may explore. I may explore, having talked about it in this podcast, um, getting to know people who know people, i.e. doing the offline thing. I know I said that that's not what I want to do. But again, I should be open-minded about it. And I think you should be as well. Let's do our very best to reduce the uncertainty uh, that's involved in this, to increase the opportunity, to understand that it's going to take an incredible amount of effort. And this is probably a good moment to ask you that question I asked you at the beginning, which was, do you really want to online date? Do you really want to do it? It's going to take up a huge amount of time, money and energy. You're going to learn a lot in the process but you're also going to be disappointed. You're going to feel that it's been a waste of time, but you're going to have to be prepared to get back up again and to try and to try and to try. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to go through that whole process, then go for it. But go for it 100%. Don't dip your toe in the water. Don't just create a profile which is meaningless and then half-heartedly swipe or scroll or like don't do that that's not going to be good for you or anybody else set yourself a time frame of three months and go all in and try your best and at the end of that three months reassess reassess whether or not you want to continue doing this and just be honest with yourself be honest with yourself you're putting yourself out there for a reason we all have limited time we all have limited resource and don't, don't feel that the clock is ticking and that you need to get something done as soon as possible. That's a disaster waiting to happen. And so many people are like that. And unfortunately, I think a lot of women are in that situation, especially if they haven't been married and they don't have children. They feel that there is a biological clock ticking and that makes them vulnerable. That makes them vulnerable to making the wrong decisions and prioritizing the wrong qualities in people. So take your time, have faith that Allah has a plan for you, that you are making the effort in order to realize an objective and that he will facilitate that at the right time for you. But your requirement is simply to make the effort and to be patient.
make the effort and be patient and value who you are do not devalue who you are in this and don't allow anybody else to do that either stand straight be strong do your best and inshallah you'll find a partner that's an hour of your time you're not going to get back (laughs) Um, no I I hope you did I hope you did find it useful and if you did and you know somebody else who would find it useful then please do forward them a link who knows maybe you'll be helping somebody to avoid some of the common pitfalls of online dating if you want to get in touch as always I'm here at divorce muslim dad all one word at gmail.com or at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M on Twitter or Instagram. If you do get in touch, I will be sure to respond. It might take me a little while, but I will respond. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Assalamu alaikum.